0: But we are right now in the midst of a series called Running From God. How many of you, if you're humble enough to admit it, have had times where you know God is telling you to do something and you don't do it? Yeah. And uh, that is an area we want to avoid at all costs because it can be rough if we go into that. So I want you to open up your Bibles today. And if you brought your own Bible, I don't know what page it's on, but we're looking at Jonah chapter 4. We're actually starting in the last verse of, three, of chapter 3. But if you have the Burgundy Pew Bible, you can pull one of those out there. Uh, it's page 764. So we have been studying, running from God, the book of Jonah, and we've been looking at the major themes of that and i want to go over this again because i think it's important to remember who this is for when it is the type of literature and all that so the date is between 785 and 760 bc who was this for who was it written for who's intended to read it? it would be for israel and god's people everywhere so if you're following god then this is about and for you and the type of literature is ironic satire how many of you like comedy i do i love comedy And I love things that are just a little bit strange in comedy. And this is a very strange book because it's all upside down. Everyone who should be the hero isn't the hero. Everybody who should be the villain actually end up being the good guys. And so it kind of turns everything upside down. And the purpose, the purpose, the ultimate purpose, there are several purposes to it. But the ultimate purpose of the book is to show that everyone, uh, show that the message of salvation is for who? everyone. And no one is beyond redemption. So you see that over and over in the book. At the very beginning, you see that uh, the people on the ship come to God and offer sacrifices, and they change their ways. And uh, even at the same time as Jonah sinking down into the ocean depths, they're offering sacrifices to God and worshiping him. Meanwhile, Jonah just doesn't get it right off. And as God's people, sometimes we miss what God is trying to have us do, what he's trying to tell us to do, and we mess up the direction we're supposed to head. So this book is not written necessarily for unbelievers. It's written more for believers who have gotten stuck in the mud and aren't heading in the right direction. Maybe they're heading in the opposite direction. In fact, uh, Jonah, when he ran away and when he got on that ship, he jumped on a ship and went totally The opposite of direction of what God wanted him to do. How many of you have experienced maybe years of pain because you haven't done what God wants you to do? I want you to know, and we talked about this before, that no matter what you've done, you still have purpose. And that God can restore these things and call you back into the message that he wants you to share. It may be a little bit different. It may look a little bit different. You may be like Jonah and you may smell a little bit like the inside of the belly of a fish. But God is in the business of cleaning us up and sending us out on his mission. Amen? A lot of times the problem we have is we want to do what we want to do and what's fun for us to do. So we like the idea of ministry. We like the idea and theory of ministry until we're called to do something that's difficult for us or that's uncomfortable. And then we want to run in the opposite direction of what God wants us to do. That is not the way we want to go. The quicker we can get on God's plan and dump our own, the better off we are. This is the thing. Like We, we talk sometimes about chasing our dreams, ch- chasing the vision that God's given us, and all these things. We need to make sure that it's not just our vision, but it's God's vision that we're chasing. So we have to examine our hearts. We have to ask the Lord to speak to us. We have to look into Scripture, and then we have to head in the direction that God wants us to do. So Jonah uh, runs from God, gets swallowed by fish, uh, turns into fish puke, on the shore, gets up and then yells at the Ninevites. He goes and does finally does what God wants him to do. And he yells at the Ninevites this message. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And he goes throughout all of the city and he does that. And he is proclaiming what God wants him to proclaim. And this was the message that he was running for before he went to Nineveh. He was trying to escape this message, and he finally obeys and does it. And the reason he was trying to escape it is because he's worried that they're going to repent of their sins. He's worried that the Ninevites will turn to God and turn away from evil. He's worried that they'll leave their selfish behavior. And that's exactly what happens because if we look in chapter 3 verse 10 it says this the the Ninevites go through all this thing and you can look at chapter 3 at some point they they go through this mourning phase they they put on bad clothes itchy clothes they stop eating they say hey it's time to repent and the whole nation repents they even try to get their animals to repent which is kind of comical But they do all of this. And then verse 10, it says this. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. So God adjusted what his ultimate plan was there and didn't do it. Now, we already talked about this last week. Did God know they were going to repent? Yes. You know, we've looked in other verses and seen that God knows the future. But he was putting that out there. Here's what's going to happen if you don't. And they respond and they repent. And so he doesn't carry out the destruction. So what happens in chapter 4? We see Jonah. What's Jonah's response? You know, as a man of God, here's what he did. He, like, celebrated with the Ninevites. He's like, yes, God is for you. He's not against you. God is a loving God of compassion, and he he pursues people that don't deserve it, and he gives grace to those who don't earn it, and he does all these things. No, Jonah, the man of God, is doing something very different. Jonah, the man of God, is doing this. This change of plans... greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Ugh! How many of you just want to slap Jonah with a fish at this point? (laughs) Seriously, dude? Like, God extends all this grace and mercy to you, and you're upset that the Ninevites have received forgiveness. You're upset that all these people aren't going to burn. You're you're livid about that. You're very, very angry. And It's so easy to look at at Jonah and and just say, wow, you're a real jerk, without realizing that sometimes we do this too. How many of you have thought that life isn't fair sometimes? How many of you have uh, maybe watched TV, uh, seen the magazines on the shelf at the grocery store? Looked at the wealth that others have, and you're like, "How did that fool make that much money?" I can barely get two nickels together. And this person and, and they're famous for what? Like rapping in a hot tub, but that isn't, that isn't even rap. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And we, or, or we look at something else, and we say, well, that's not fair. You know, those people got their earnings or their money through evil, and the Ninevites were the worst. They were the, absolutely the worst. Remember, we talked about that. They were, like, putting people on poles and shoving it up under their lungs until they would just slowly suffocate and die and be speared, and they, they were filleting people alive, and they are just doing horrible, nasty things. Why would God want to save them? That's why Jonah was afraid to go to them. He wasn't afraid he'd be killed you much rather be killed than these people be saved. So sometimes I think we have the same attitude. Sometimes I have the same attitude. I look at others and I think, well, this just isn't fair. I get upset with what God's plan is or what God is doing because I'm like, man, couldn't you just make this a little bit easier, God? Couldn't you just handle it? Couldn't you just reward the people that do good right off? And what I'm doing is I'm questioning the motives, the will, and the justice of God instead of just being obedient and being a servant all throughout scripture it says that we we come out of the slavery and bondage of sin but when we come to jesus as lord we put ourselves in servanthood and slavery to him and if that's true then i shouldn't be so much concerned about what the fifth 16th or 17th step of the plan is my job is to complete the first part of it you with me it's kind of like when you tell your kids what to do and they're like then what or they just say i'm not doing it or i don't want to do it you're like hey pick up this pick up that no i don't want to they don't see the bigger picture they don't understand why and then to me it's always slightly humorous when they hurt themselves because they're disobedient have you ever had kids oh, my kids do that like they'll say they'll sass me and fall off their chair and i'm like <laughs> thank you god <laughs> So this is, this is he, he, he's so angry. He seems it's very wrong. Verse 2, it says, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord? This is what he's saying to God, okay? Imagine this. This is a conversation Jonah's having with God. He complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say, before I left home, that you would do this very thing? Lord, this is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate. God, you're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. What is wrong with you, God? (laughs) I mean, all these things you're like reading through there is like, yeah, that's a good list. We like that. No, Jonah's angry about it. He's upset that God's going to do this. And he almost, he, he knows his Bible, okay? Jonah knows his Bible because he's pretty much quoting Exodus 34, 6 through 7. He's, he's quoting this, and this is what it says this, This is where the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out. And this is what God describes himself as. So realize this, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Now realize that Lord, when it's capitalized that, Lord means the God of the covenant, And if you understand what covenant means, it means the promise that God gave to the Israelites to preserve them, so to keep them alive, but also to make them a blessing to the whole world, all nations. So the only reason we're here right now is because God did that for them. And then we're grafted into that. So Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. How many of you are thankful for the first part of that? (laughs) OK, the second part is the part that I sit there and ponder about and think about sometimes like, you know, am I committing the sins of, of my grandparents? And and are my am I passing some of this on? But here, here's what I know in Scripture is that when we come to Christ, we are set free and those bonds of sin can be broken. And when we do that, we can release the generations to follow. But the thing that we always have difficulty with, and we talked about this before, the thing we have difficulty with usually when it comes to God is that we don't think his righteousness or his judgment of the world is fair in the moment. We look at the the sin of others and we see the terrible pain and the loss of innocent life and victims being destroyed. And because of that, we have a difficult time believing that there is a loving, caring God But we see in this that he is slow to anger and he is abounding in forgiveness. And if that's true, then maybe his judgment just hasn't come yet for those that deserve it and that aren't going to receive repentance. You with me? So God will take his time. It's kind of like a parent that's just waiting until it builds up and then they're going to have to deal with it. He's giving them a chance. He's giving you a chance. He's giving us a chance. He's giving everyone a chance here to come to him. So this is how God describes himself, and that's what, what Jonah says. He, he about quotes it, and he says, you know, I knew this about you, but Jonah was taking it in a negative way. How many of you have taken the God, God's grace in a negative way? Like, we all want it for me. I want it for me, amen? I want it for me. But not for my enemy. They deserve it. This is, this is how we think. This is just the carnal, selfish mind that we have. We want others to pay the penalty of their sin. And, and, and so sometimes we, we, we look afar and we see from afar, maybe it's not even people we know, and we're like, why isn't God handling that? Why isn't God stopping this? Why, isn't, you know, why does God allow suffering and pain? Why did God allow the Holocaust? Why did he allow all of these things? And then truthfully, the only reason we see is because God is going to judge eventually, and he's the one in charge, not me. And so if I can pull myself out of that and realize, okay, okay, what I need to do is realize that if God's grace is for for me, it's also for others. And I have to extend that same grace that I haven't earned to others. So Exodus 34, 6 through 7 talks about that. It, it just lays it all out there. So God shows himself in two different ways to Moses. He physically shows himself, and then he spiritually tells him who he is. This is who I am. So all of this is true, but Jonah is angry with God he's just furious cuz Jonah wants justice and revenge. Jonah was hoping that they wouldn't change. So verse 3, now Lord take away. This is this is this is how how upset Jonah is. Verse 3 says this, "Now take away what? Just kill me. Just kill me now, Lord." Right? I'd rather be what? Dead than alive if what I predicted is not going to happen. Then the Lord replies what? Is it right for you to be angry about this? Who are you? Who are you to be angry about this? Yeah, I had to put myself in Jonah's position here. I, I don't know if I would act any better. I may have just stayed in the belly of the whale or the fish or whatever it was. But Jonah, Jonah goes out and he, he, he obeys. But he has the action of obedience, but he doesn't have the heart of obedience. Do You ever have your kid do it the way that you want them to do it, but they're doing it begrudgingly, like they're trying to show you something? That's Jonah. Jonah's trying to show God, I'll, I'll obey. I'll obey. I'll do what you tell me to do. But I am going to be upset about it the whole time. And then I'm going to argue with you after. So, the jo- Jonah is. So, you have to put yourself in Jonah. Jonah's probably not even wanting to go home now. As far as he's concerned, his professional life is over. Remember, he's a prophet of God from the land of Jerusalem, from that area. And, and he doesn't want to go back home. Why? Because if he goes back home and goes, hey, guys, and they're like, oh, You're the one that brought salvation to our enemies. You're the one who got God to forgive those horrible people. We don't want you here anymore. That's what could be happening. So this is what Jonah does instead. Jonah, then Jonah went out to the east side of the city. He makes a shelter to sit under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. What does he want to happen to the city? man i can't wait for this fireworks show this is gonna be awesome like missiles of god are gonna be raining down on this city fire and brimstone i'm gonna get to see some action this is what i'm hoping for this is what he's hoping for he goes out a far, far enough distance away and he's like this is gonna be great And this is what happens i i, I love this how many of you love that god keeps bugging you <laughs> god is not gonna leave you alone fact that's a prayer i have for you right now there's a sweet lady that used to be in a prayer group with me and she would pray the hounds of heaven on people and i was sitting there was like can you do that that sounds awesome and really scary i was really nice to that lady she's like she's praying for like her friends and relatives she's like lord just sick the hounds of heaven on them and and be tenacious with them and relentless and never let them go and pursue them until they come to you and they're right with you. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> little lady, little lady of God. When you, when I think of prayer warrior, I think of that lady because I'm like, man, I'm <laughs> tough. But this is what, this is what God does. He, he, he sends us messages all the time. He sends us, first of all, Everyone, hold up the Bible. Let me see it. So I, I've heard people, and, and I know everyone has different spiritual gifts. People have told me, I, I don't hear from God. Then read him. Read about it, okay? Some of us have the ability to hear the Holy Spirit, and we, we, it's pretty loud in our lives. Others of us, we get it from here. And honestly, we should be getting it from both, right? Like, we should be walking in that. But if you don't hear from God all the time, know that he's already told you enough right here. And so we need to be in that. But God sends us messages. And I love that God doesn't leave Jonah alone here. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head. So remember, he built a shelter, right? So he has some kind of lean-to, or some kind of little fort he built out there. And he is sitting up at the top of this hill, east side of the city, waiting for it to be destroyed. He's built this, and, and all of a sudden, like, he's sitting out there, and, and sometimes it's very hot. Remember, this is desert area. It, it can be very brutal. It's, it's not the Midwest. It's, it's very, very hot. And he's sitting out there, and suddenly this, this branch, this tree, this huge thing grows up next to him, like, real fast. And it's shading him from the sun. And this eased what? His discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. He's like, thank you, Lord. I knew, I knew something good was going to happen. And so he's taking this, and he has this plant over him. He's very grateful for it. It's providing him shade. I I know it's hard for us to imagine, but eventually it is going to be 95 and sunny outside. How many of you like the trees in your yard I have one that's like fifteen feet high. That's it. I got one tree in my little yard. I like that tree. I will sit where the sun is not going through it. And I will try to avoid the windows of my neighbors where the sun hits it and then it goes two hundred degrees right wherever it hits. And I'll sit behind that tree while the kids run around like crazy and and sip cold water, ice water, and, and my discomfort is eased. Trees are good. So Jonah's very grateful for this plant. He's sitting out there waiting for the destruction of his enemies. And and he's sitting there. And then what happens next? That God also was messing with Jonah. (laughs) Again, sometimes God doesn't play nice with us. Here's the thing. We need to be a little bit concerned about what God's up to. God is a good father and good dads mess with you when you're wrong. And so here's what he's doing. But God will also arrange for a worm. A worm. A stinking little worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it dried up in the sun and it withered away. Jonah is not happy with this, is he? Can you imagine if you went out to your yard and your favorite trees were all just gone? Middle of summer, poof, they're all gone. But imagine, he's out there by himself in the midst of the desert. This thing comes up. He thinks, oh, this is a blessing of God. And then a worm comes and eats it away, and it withers away and goes away. So what does he say? And as the sun grew hot, verse 8, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Come on, God. You're messing with him, right? So, hey, God's like, let's turn up the heat. Beep, 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 beep. Heat goes up. (laughs) Let's put some wind in there. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, there's some sand being blown against your forehead, Jonah. Enjoy that. As the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah, and the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this. (laughs) He yells this, he exclaims, right? This isn't just like, well, death is certainly, but no, he's upset. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? God's ready for a conversation and argument with Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes. Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. (laughs) How many of you have had that moment? maybe some of you had that moment driving here. You're like angry about something stupid. You're angry about something that's temporary. You're angry about something you shouldn't be angry about. And you're very upset, like exaggeratedly upset. upset. How many of you know that emotions play tricks on us? Emotions will mess with you. And and they will try to put you on a roller coaster. And what you got to do is make sure you're not riding down and up with it the way it wants you to go. They will jerk you around, and it, that's what's happening right now with Jonah. He is being messed with badly because he's following his emotions. He's not following the word of God. He's following his emotions. He's not obeying and understanding that, okay, this is God's will. I'll, I'll give in, and I, understand. I don't understand it all, but I'm, I'm willing. He's not praising God in this moment. Is he praising God? No. He's not rejoicing in the salvation of others. He's, he's actually upset because they're being saved. He's upset with God. He's arguing with God, even angry enough to die over it. He's just like, just kill me now. Quit messing with me, God. Some of you know people that live this way. Maybe you've been in that moment, too. The substances you take. The way you live your life. You're trying to push to that point of just just take me now, Lord, I'm ready. God's not ready yet, right? God's trying to teach you something. Then the Lord said this. Here's here's where God gets to the moral of the story. You feel sorry about the plant, though. You did nothing to put it there. You didn't plant it. It came quickly, and it what? It died quickly. You feel bad about that. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? He's meaning large. He doesn't mean impressive. What he means is there is a large city. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? So, what is God doing? God is showing him that you're concerned about your little tree that you didn't plant, that I put there, and you're sitting here under this tree wishing for the destruction of the city, hoping that they get what they deserve. And you're upset about this. How many of you realize sometimes what you're upset about doesn't amount to anything? Yeah. Sometimes it does not amount to anything. I've been angry. I've been upset about little tiny things when others around me are perishing. Have you? Well, let's move to chapter 5. What happens next? Some of you are like Pastor Ben lost his mind. There is no chapter five in Jonah. Well, what happened? We don't know. <laughs> have you have you ever watched a movie and you're like, "That's a good. This is a great movie." And at the end, you're like, "Well, what happened?" This happens with TV series all the time now, with me and Emily like I love this series. Canceled. What? But this is intentional. This is this is intentional. It just stops. Like God, God kind of blasts him and says, Hey, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? There isn't even the end. It just stops. Why, why does God do this? Why do we see this written this way? What, what happened to Jonah? I don't know. Apparently he doesn't die right off. I like, Maybe he did. Maybe he just sat there and said, fine, I'll show you, God. I'm not going to drink water. I don't know what happens to him. We know Nineveh isn't destroyed right then. They go on for another like 120 years or so before their ancestors do something stupid and they actually do get destroyed. So why, why does it stop right there? Why does it end right there? That's kind of a letdown, isn't it, that we don't see the ending? Here's the reason I, don't, I think we don't see the end. How many of you have played those or read those books years ago? Like, uh, choose your own adventure. They're usually poorly written. <laughs> and you'd have to, A or B, A or B, which one am I going to go? Here's the deal. I think the whole time we're reading this book, we're supposed to be thinking about Jonah, but then we realize that this isn't about Jonah. This is about me. This is about you. Everyone point to yourself real quick. Here's the deal. You are choosing your story right now. How you live, how you live, how you show up for others how you speak to others, how you encourage others, how you view others, whether or not you judge others. Are you looking down on others? Are you saying, oh, they're not going to come to God? Are you just pushing people away? Are you pushing whole groups of people away? Because here's what we get. We get an A and a B. We get two choices here, A and B. Here's how we are going to choose our story, our path, our adventure. You're choosing your adventure right now. Well, let me know you let me tell you this, that you are choosing something. You can either A whine about the world and wait for its destruction. Well, I know in the end in Revelation, God is going to come down with fire and brimstone, and I want to be there to see it. How many of you are just a little bit frightened by that when you read yeah, I am? H- Cuz here's the deal. I'm not mocking judgment. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But judgment is whose? God's, not yours. You do not stand in judgment. I do not stand in judgment right now. God is the one that determines when, how, and what that is going to be. Not me, not Jonah, not you. We can either whine about the world and wait for its destruction. Here's how this looks. Some of you are like, I don't do that. You probably do. I've seen some of your Facebook posts. <laughs> I've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, okay? This is how it goes. The world is so bad right now. Oh, it's only getting worse. Oh, it's, this, is, this is when we're going towards that. I'm not saying we're there yet. That, But we sit there and we whine about the world. And we wait for its destruction. I cannot wait until, you know, God comes back. And, and I'm with you. I can't wait until God comes back and, and establishes his throne. But but when I'm sitting here and I'm just picking fights with other people, my enemies, the people of the different political party that I don't agree with, the people down the street that don't walk their dog the right way, the people that don't view how to uh, run this or that the same way I do, the people that block my path when I'm driving, the people that all these people, and and sometimes it's really big, the people that are pushing an ungodly agenda, the people that are promoting sin, The people that want my kids to fall into moral failure. This makes me very upset. Amen? Rightly so. There is righteous anger in that. The stuff that the Ninevites were doing and promoting was not of God. Jonah was right to be upset about it. Absolutely right. The stuff that they teach kids to do and the way that our world is set up and even the way that big companies and industries and nations want our kids to believe and behave is wrong. It's wrong. And I get angry. I'm getting angry about it now. But here's the deal. My job isn't to stay there and whine about the world and its destruction. That's not our job. Be is our job, right? We are to be a part of God's grace solution. Guys, the world is full of critics. We don't need to be spiritual critics. The world is full of them, full of critics, but critics don't accomplish anything. Here's what we're dealing with when we look at the book of Jonah. We're looking at a pouting prophet, a pouting prophet. Some of us have been pouting prophets. We know the word of God. We know that God has said, go and tell people about me and and explain the grace of God to me and live it out and show love to people that don't deserve it. We've all been called to that. But instead, we're whining about the world and waiting for its destruction. Well, someday it will be judged. But that's not our job. That's not what we're called to do. And ultimately, we want as many people to have God's grace as possible. Amen? I don't want us to be the people waiting up on the hill wanting the destruction. So what is grace? Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Grace, grace is something that God gives us that we don't deserve. I I saw a video of I think it was Elon Musk this last week, and and somebody was talking to him about faith in Jesus, and uh, he said, "I like some of the things that Jesus teaches, like and I." You know, not an eye for an eye, but turn the other cheek. Because the problem with, and I, I hadn't heard this before. Maybe this is a saying, but the problem with an eye for an eye is eventually everyone will be blind. And that's true. And, and this is how we live sometimes. When we're hoping for the destruction or for judgment, is we want the judgment for others, but we want God's grace for ourselves. And, and this comes out in a lot of different ways. It may seem very menial. But it's when you get angry when people sin instead of when you feel like true sorrow for them. You, You with me? If people are caught in the trap of sin and slavery, if you view it like a bear trap. How many of you have seen those big honking bear traps, you know, like this? What sin does is it's a snare. It traps you. And so you have people where their souls are just crushed and clamped in this trap. And they're heading for destruction. And the whole time, we've been given the key to unlock the trap. We can set people free by being a part of God's grace solution. So, the challenge that we have when we read Jonah is to remain believers and prophets of God's word. But to keep the heart of grace in even as we see a world in decay. To keep a heart that is compassionate, and instead of whining about it, figure out where God is working and start doing that. We have to walk in God's grace. So what does this look like for us as a church? Well, I think it comes back to accept, believe, care. We have to accept others where they are. Are, are people on the path to destruction? yes. Are they doing the wrong thing? Yes. Is the world heading in the wrong direction? Absolutely. I'm with you, but we shouldn't want to leave it there because we have to show the love and grace of God and we have to preach the message. And some of you know who you're supposed to talk to about God's grace, but you're worried that they're going to not take it. That's not your responsibility. Was it Jonah's responsibility to save them? No. He was just there to proclaim God's word. So, Be a part of God's grace solution. How many of you, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it is difficult, want to be a part of that? Amen. Now, we're raising our hand in faith. (laughs) We're believing that. We're going to keep praying that. Amen. Uh, I think God has people for you individually, and I'm not just talking about us, but you to reach God has at least one person in your life that you're supposed to share the word of God with in some way. It could be loving them, bringing them a cup of coffee, showing them some kind of grace. Maybe it's a person that is angry with you and hates you at work. It's your work enemy. And you guys have declared World war Four. Maybe God wants to stop that now. He wants you to start showing love that they don't deserve. They don't deserve it, Pastor. I know they don't. They don't. But Jesus died for that person. Jesus died for that person. Let's stop whining. Let's stop complaining. And let's start doing the work of grace that God has called us to. That means showing love to our enemies and being kind to those who don't deserve it. Because God did that for you. God does that for me. Because salvation is for who? For who? Now will everyone take it? No, but you best believe the more we live like Jesus, the more people are going to see it and the more we're going to see people take it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your your word is so convicting and I, I man, I read through it and it doesn't take me long to see places where I don't think right, where I don't act right, where I'm not living right. Lord, I pray that we would we would change our minds. It would change our hearts and our minds to be active in in Christ Jesus, to realize that, that grace isn't something that we get to pick who it goes to, but that we're all called to walk in that. And just like Jesus did, we're called to love others before they deserve it. Because ultimately, that's why we're here. God has done that for us. He died, Jesus died for us while we were still messing up. While he knew some of us wouldn't accept it. Lord, I pray first and foremost that we would all receive salvation, that we would take glory in your grace and your mercy and your long suffering, but also that we would take that inward to the point where it can't help but come out. That that would be how we live our lives, how we view the world, that instead of viewing it as as these people are evil, we would realize that evil has a hold on them and that you came to set the captive free. Help us to be part of that grace. Help us to be witnesses of your love, to share your love with others, even though they don't deserve it. Lord, I pray the next time we're in a situation, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. It's probably going to come pretty quick where we have an opportunity to get upset. We have an opportunity to get angry, to feel justified in our anger, that instead we would calm down, take a breath and pray grace over that person and to show grace to that person. That we would pick the opportunity that we have to be bearers of God's grace because that's what he's called us to. In a lost and fallen world, we need more of that because love is a path that Jesus chose to change the world. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray.